this week's episode of Top Lines and Tales, your weekly livestock podcast. And as always, we'd like to thank our sponsors, Harborough, for their continued support. This week, I have a really well-known character in the livestock industry, Albert Howie. Albert, welcome to Top Lines and Tales podcast. Yeah. And Albert, you farm at uh, at West Knock, is that right, in, uh, in Mintlaw? That's right. Peterhead, a long way up yep. there in the northeast. Yes, the northeast, and I, I also uh, was involved. Been recently been involved in the last ten years in farming in Estonia. Okay, we'll we'll uh, we'll go on to the Estonia in a second. But um, yes. you, there at, at West Knock, you're mainly an arable farm, and probably some of the best land in the UK up and around that area, arable land. Um, how many generations of Howies have now been there? Well, I bought them. I bought them one farm here, and there was five within. A f- Couple of years of five farms all adjoining each other, and I managed to put the whole thing to be together okay. by a, with a pension fund. Uh-huh. And then uh, I bought sort of the pension fund for twelve hundred pounds the acre. It was way back about thirty, forty years ago, and I bought it all back four years later for six hundred pounds the acre. <laughs> so I, I knew I was in trouble financially at one point in my life, but I knew I got it sorted out by that land deals, you know. Okay, and what size of farm have you got there now at West Knock? Well, farming just about a thousand, just over a thousand acres. Okay. And uh, we go back a while there. I believe you had Suffolk's at one time there at... Uh, at uh, um, we had Suffolk's at one time, yeah, yeah. A lot of good Suffolk's were coming out of that Aberdeenshire corner there for for a while, weren't they? And I, I know your neighbour, Harry Emsley, I think you and Harry would be breeding Suffolk's around about the same time, going back that time. There were three, three very prominent breeders in the northeast at that time was Jimmy Wilson, Barnyards, and uh, uh, the mayors at Kenermit of Turriff and uh, Jimmy Douglas at Woodhead yeah. Kearness. That was the three top breeders possibly in Scotland. And for a while, you know, they were always getting the top prices, you know. They, they were. And, uh, uh, so so they, they were the top lads. Harry Ensley was in it for a few years, but I don't think Harry ever got far with them, actually. No, no. It was, uh, it was a popular breed to be in, weren't they, for, for a time. And we had Jimmy on this podcast a few weeks ago, and as you said, a master. Have you? I see. A master, uh, yeah. Um, well, there was nothing to be to stuff for... for Early growth for early lambs. Yeah, they had a fast growth rate, but uh, they seem to have been superseded by the Continentals, uh, the, the particularly the Baltics and the Texans. Now, well, we went. Uh, uh, we go yep. we go back the way there. I bought a, a blue domain top off you, I think, over 40 years ago. So uh, we, you got into the blue domains and the rouge when uh, it became fashionable, and there was a bit of money to be made in those old blues back then. Uh, it was certainly a case of the early bird catch the worm. The, the blues were a wonderful sheep, but up here it was just too cold for them. They were bare legs and bare faces and thin-skinned. They had plenty of wool, but they were quite thin-skinned, and they just weren't suitable for the climate here. And they were lovely sheep, and you crossed them with anything, and they, they were good. But they, they, it was no, you just had to produce something that people wanted to buy, and they just went out of favor a bit. Mm-hmm. But the early bird catches worm, and it did with the limiting cattle and the, the rouges, blue domains and the rouges. Mm-hmm. And I, I was always keen to try something new. You, know? <laughs> you are, certainly were. You certainly were. But you were top of the tree there, of course, when George was a boy, I suppose, or youngster anyway. And you'd bring rouge and blue domains down to the to the royal show, or George, and along with Graham Massey and Becky Evans and myself. Oh, we, had, we had some great crack with those uh, with those early 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 two breeds and uh, as i said those, those days and back around about that time you mentioned you had a farm bought a farm in estonia i think it would be, be before the millennium you bought a, a farm out there and tell me a bit more about that why and uh, to start with and what was it like out there well it was obvious to me i used to go to finland quite a lot in fact i had a finnish lady friend for a good little year and uh, 
And uh, when, the Russia, when the whole Russian thing collapsed, and these countries, I went down to from Finland, it's very near, 70 kilometers from Helsinki to Tallinn, Estonia. Mm-hmm. And I went down there one day with Ryan Neil Gosman, and we could see there was opportunities. The houses in the town of Tallinn were for nothing. Mm-hmm. And you could buy good land for about, those coupons, you could buy these coupons, the local people could buy them and then sell them on to you, which you could get everything at 50% discount. The government paid 50%. I said, who was buying land at 40 pounds an acre? <laughs> And and it was obvious it was going to go one way. Mm-hmm. And I bought a three hundred acre farm at the time. And then and then they joined the European Union and the things just taken off. Uh-huh. Uh, in fact it's quite worrying now because inflation's very high, it's about twenty percent, it's the highest it is in Europe. Uh-huh. But there are very very smart race of people, they're very, very clever. They're, they're hybrid people. They've been invaded by Sweden once or twice, they've been invaded by Russia twice, they've been invaded by Germany twice. So they're a, they're a hybrid people, and I got their class. I like they're smart people, and and when you do business with them, I just never wrong. But I could see at that time that most of the money was in the town. There was few German cars running around the streets, but you know, the countryside, there were all ladders. There was poverty there. The farms. When the Soviets left, they, they, they were like a ship without a rudder. Uh-huh. No, no instructions coming from Moscow. And, and there was a lot of drink consumed, and, and the thing, the farms were all, big state farms were all running down in La Messe. They were selling cows to pay the wages, and, and the, the thing, the thing was collapsing in a lot of cases. And their history, of course, Andy, as you know, was a terrible history. The, the communists, when the Russians invaded them last time, the only way they would make communism stick was to take out all the capitalists. So they took out all the business people in the town, and all the farmers, or bigger farmers, just took him to Siberian trains and knocked down our farm steadings and they made them into huge state farms, okay. which was a terrible thing to do. But for moderate farming, it's ideal, actually. Mm-hmm. You know, there's huge fields, some of the fields, five, six hundred acres. And, uh, and there's a lot of, it's a sandiness of the land, but it's, it's quite good. And sometimes it gets a wee bit dry in the summer. But, but it's, the yields are coming up. But you were farming that? Do you, do you still have that land out there? Because you were farming, you'd be farming no, the farm I, out there. I, no, I wasn't. I could see. I invested. I sold it, and I invested in more property in the town of Tallinn. Okay. And then I was invited because I had a bit of experience, and and I was uh, from Britain, and uh, and also I was had property in the town of Tallinn. I was invited to join a very very big farming operation called Trigon Dairy Farming in Estonia, and they were at twenty thousand acres. And they were milking three and a half, four thousand cows. There were about seven, eight thousand black and white animals on the farm. And the buildings were all new because the Estonian government, when they joined the European Union, they, they got 40% grants to build new buildings. And the, the Russian buildings were too short. Something were too short for the cows because they had little red cows, but the big hosting cow needed it. So the buildings, they rebuild the buildings on the new, new greenfield sites. And the, today they're milking uh, and I, I've been in it right up to just one, just a week. Well, I've just come out. Uh, there was a big company called Trigon Capital, which had about 12 million in it. And there was a Finnish family that had about 12 million pounds in it. Mm-hmm. And it was two little lads like me. had, And every euro you had in it was a share. Mm-hmm. But it wasn't open for selling and buying shares. You just had to be invited to join them. Okay. And I was invited to join them. And uh, but Trigon Capital, the Finnish family, they made a fortune selling all that. They had cream trees in Finland and Estonia and uh, Latvia and some country, other countries. Right. And they sold out to Unilever, so they had money, money, mm. and there's something else to do with the money. So they they decided 
Trigon Capital decided to buy the whole thing themselves if we would sell. And the, the Ingman family sold sold their share, and the other little lad with me, he sold his, and I was left alone in it. And I felt, my I was very friendly with the manager, and he said, Albert, you know, you'll have no influence now on it because you're, you're just alone, apart from the, this financial institution called Trigon Capital. And the, he said, they're offering 165, 165 for every, every euro is a share, they're offering 165 to buy you that out. Uh, the other boys have accepted that. So I had little option, actually, but to, to uh, sell it. Sell so it. I'm out of it at the moment. Okay. So I'm just in the property thing in Tallinn. Okay, but you've got a few properties in Tallinn. It's supposed to be a beautiful city. I've not been. It's somewhere I've always wanted to go, to be honest, uh, Albert. And those are properties you've got there, rentals, I suppose. and uh, Different from farming, but a good investment. I know property is always a good investment. It's very good. I have a girl out there, and she oh, she's, she just vets the tenants. And we've some tenants been for 12, 14 years. Mm-hmm. We've, uh, unbelievable. And to date, you wouldn't believe this, it's 2,000 miles from home, Andy. But it's, to date, I haven't had one problem. Mm-hmm. You know, really? if the dishwasher breaks down, I just say, well, get another new one and give us a receipt and we'll take it off your rent. Yeah. And uh, they respect your property there. If I'd done it in Aberdeen, I would have had a nightmare for <laughs> I've got something. <laughs> I've got something does go. I know exactly what you mean. So same talk. I've got mine in the, in the wrong place. You respect your property. <laughs> ah, it's unbelievable. Like, it's, they're so good to do business with. They finish. There's a lot of Finnish influence down there now. And Finland has the second highest standard of living in the world. Yeah, yeah, certainly. In Finland, Finland has, they've no, they've, they great pride being classless, they've no lords and ladies nor uh, monarchy or nothing. But, and, uh, uh, as you say, you can just jump on a helicopter from Tallinn and be in, in Finland, be in Helsinki in what, 10 or 15 minutes. So there's a lot of, obviously, Finnish coming down there for, for that reason. Keeping There's a lot of, the a lot of older friends coming down to retire, which the houses are still a bit cheaper there. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and uh, Helsinki, you know. Yeah. So, uh, no, it's been a very good experience in my life, Andy. So that's the story of my foreign adventure. <laughs> there we go. Well, but you're not a man to, to stand back when there's a chance to go forward, that's for sure. And it's just well, it was obvious what's going to happen. Uh-huh. Andy, these Eastern European countries, it's obvious that just one way to go. Yeah, yeah. Because they were completely in their arse, and, and there was just one way to go, actually. Uh-huh. If the reason other people didn't do it was other people didn't even know where Estonia was, <laughs> and then, but anybody did know that it was next to Russia. Yeah. They didn't like that much. Could have been worse, and, Albert. Uh, so, could have been bad. You could have been in Ukraine instead. So there you go. You've got the you've got the right one. You don't want to mess with those Russians, I tell you. <laughs> and let's move on. Then you went into the yes. Texels. I would say middle nineties. I remember being at uh, Lanach, and uh, Keith Jamison was having reduction, and I think Robin Hope's dispersal sale. I remember seeing you there, and you buying a couple of good games from Keith and that was you getting into the, into the Texel sheep uh, yeah, but yeah. started with some good ones that's the only way forward and you'll you'll have got that experience from other breeds that you've been in and uh, yeah you bought a couple of good lines out of, out of Annan and uh, and the knock flock with yourself and George pretty rose pretty rapidly through the 90s and into 2000 didn't you well we had some high prices it was up to 70,000 for a top for something one day you know and, but um, but they were getting a little overproduced, and it was, in my opinion, Andy, and I don't think I don't know if you'll agree with me, but my opinion, there was embryo work is a tremendous thing to improve breeds, but it did. I felt it was spoiling them in some respects, health-wise especially. But there'll still be the top breed, like in the best of luck, Charlie Bowden yeah. and some of these boys. But they're spoiling it job actually, because they're pumping out so many embryos. And, and uh, 2005, you bred a female, I think, 05. 
034, and I think she bred something like £300,000 worth of progeny there when uh, one of the top sheep, yeah, in, top sheep on record, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and 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 another not breeding you, I think, from the same year as well, would be the grandmother of Devrondale Perfection, who sold to Jimmy Douglas for two hundred and twenty thousand. There's a bit of not breeding in there as well, wasn't there? Yes, there was. That's right. Yeah, and the, the good news with Texas was the people were still when we were in them in a big way. The the people were still a lot of new people going into them. Mm-hmm. And uh, we were going down, I remember one day we went down to Carlisle with 17 gamers. And I said to George when he left with him, I said, what do you expect to get for that? 17,000. Uh. Well, we come home with 77,000. <laughs> uh, there was a young little Brazilian guy who had five sons. Mm-hmm. Uh, Trinidad Investments, they called themselves. That's right, yeah. Bought a gamer from uh, you for 24,000, I think they Proc- bought a gamer from you, didn't they? He did. Uh, uh, Proctor's was... Very, very strong and getting into them too. So Proctor's and Trinidad Investments knocked hell out of each other and we come home with over £70,000. <laughs> 17 females, you know. Excellent. And there was money in it now, but that, that's going to go on a bit. You'll get an odd one at a hundred or 200000 but mm. most of them are hardly making so much now. No, no, that's, that's, a, that's a hell of a trade back then. Well, back then, for any time, really, for averaging, it I think, average on. over 4000 a piece, which is a hell of a trade. And you had 20000 for another gamma, um, uh Late the following year, I think, didn't you as well? So, yeah, the, your, yes, your, yes. your breeding was in was in demand because uh, I suppose because you were breeding the tops as well. You mentioned you had seventy thousand for a ram, and that was a ram called Will I Am, and that went to Charlie Bowden at Sportsman's. And uh, Char- Charlie's some man there, isn't he? He's, he's not frightened to not frightened to spend when he sees the right one, and and, and uh, always a good customer. Charlie's a racing guy. I, I quite like him, like you know. But he, he and, and uh, knock Yankee at thirty thousand in Carlisle, and then another ram I want to mention is a ram called Knock Yardsman, and he was cheap at about 15,000, He went to the Clarks, didn't he, at Garngo, and 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 and, uh, yeah. and Pandas, the rest of the uh, the Clarks there at Teaglam, and uh, he's probably one of the most successful sires of all time, I'd say, uh, Knock Yardsman, and uh, yeah, he probably wouldn't be the most expensive one you've sold. Well, uh has been quite good. It's coming up with some good breeding. It is important if your stuff does well with people, and, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, if, uh, we're, we're still, still in the limousines in a fairly big way, and, and uh, it's pleasing to see some people getting good prices for some of our sons. Or limousines were full, you know. Good. So, ah, yes, uh, ah, yes. And another one more recent, I suppose. Knock Bantastic, and he was the sire of uh, sire of the year in 2019, and he said uh, he went to Midlock and, and uh, Clarks again, yeah. and he was the sire of for the 200,000 uh, pound Midlock Capaldi, who was a good lamb. Correct. Uh-huh. Yep, yep. And yeah, uh, Knock Banker, you kept a share of as well, and as you, as you mentioned, you sold the you sold the flock, and basically took a decision, as you said dur- during. Yeah, because they weren't—they were banging in the middle of harvest when all the hard work was on. And well, I was—I was surprised that George—he he sold the uh, most of very good an offer that he couldn't refuse apparently. But because uh, he's a bit in charge now, because I'm quite an old man, <laughs> and you know. Yeah. But uh, but uh, I'm not disappointed because it was right in the middle of harvest, and he lost his half fingers on one hand, and he wouldn't didn't want anybody else to do it. And I, I see he was just having too much work with it, and we. We had two men on the farm, which was not a lot for a thousand acres, mm-hmm. but we, we just had two men and we managed, if one were a good lad left and we couldn't find another guy, so he made a decision to sell them anyway, and I think it was the right decision to time, possibly. Well, and one man came and bought yeah. them all, is that right, Albert? One man came and bought them all, yep, yep. 
Gone to a man called Willie Davis down in Wales, and and uh, um, that's, that's right. Uh, he, he took he took them all, I guess, and as you say, made him an offer he can't refuse. But uh, he took a lot of good breeding with him, and uh, we wish him well. And hopefully, we'll see a lot of knock sheep coming back, exactly. coming back still. Exactly, exactly. Well, I hope so. It's good. It's, it's good for us if it does. Uh-huh. And you had a few Dutch spotties for for a while again. The latest thing, always onto the latest thing, didn't you? Some of those uh, probably from. Well, I, it was my family. Yes, I bought them for a Christmas present. Uh-huh. <laughs> my family, but George and Jacqueline, they handle them. They're still. They, they, they've been pumping out a few. It'll be interesting to see what happens with them this year. Cause they've, uh-huh. they've quite a few good lambs on the, on the ground at the moment, as we speak. They wanted that certainly, and uh, yeah. as you said, they're, they're the, the, the new breed on the block at the moment, and everybody wants them. And we've seen that before, Albert. You get long in the tooth like me, and we've uh-huh. seen it happen a few times before. Maybe we'll see the demise of them again. Well, it, it's, you, you know, Andy, as well as I do, it's not what you like; it's what, what other people what like. You can it. sell. You make money. What you can sell, and, uh-huh. and still with a sheep, I've seen you with a few carries as well. Is that the next thing? into those as well? <laughs> Some of them. I don't know them. Yes, uh, there's a few of them running around. Uh, too. Good, a good breed of sheep from my part of the world down in, down in the south of Kerry's. And, uh, and move on to the cattle. You said about the limousines. You started the limousines quite a while ago, I think, and uh, red ones and black ones. I was, and black ones. I was one of the first uh, guys up in Aberdeenshire to have limousines. Okay. We we sold a bull way back about 40 years ago in Aberdeen. It was the first limousine bull ever to go through the auction mart in Aberdeen. And uh, uh, I went to France and bought about 20, 30 heifers. Uh, and uh, and uh, I kept the best and sold a few in Carlisle and got a hell of a trade for them. There, were just, there was just a lot of people wanting into limousines at the time. So that was a very good decision too. Andy, we, we made a lot of money with limousines in the early days in particular. And we've still... We're still doing, we sold a fat cow today at Tainston for £2,530 yeah. for a farrow cow, an old cow. And uh, £2,500, it was the highest price today, I think, for a cow. Uh, and uh, we've been selling bulls. We're selling quite a lot of them in the internet. George has been selling them in the internet. And, and getting, you'll never get this £20,000 job in the internet, but you'll. We're getting a regularly five, six, seven thousand pounds holiday. We've spoken to a lot of people on this podcast about the internet sales, and it comes down to having the trust of the of the buyer, doesn't it? If they bought from you before, well, most and, of the people and, have bought bulls from us before. You're quite right, yeah, Andy. They'll come back and they'll buy well, one. One guy come up and one boy bought two on the internet and for six thousand each. He bought two, two of them, uh-huh. and didn't come to see them. Most of the guys come to see them after before they get delivery, but. Uh, it's not but, not uh, somewhere uh, you drive uh, past. So if, you, if you're from the south, you're a long way away. So you've got to. That's that's the internet tool. Does does that help for you? And, and I mentioned the black ones. Uh, you had you've had two or three good black bulls over there. Do they just come by accident, or did you make a an effort to get into the black ones? No, no I went. To, I, I've been in America four times, and I would, I would like to go back every year. I love going to America, but, and of course, most of the cattle are black there. I don't know what it is, Andy, but you just never get a bad steak in America. They just they're always succulent and unbelievably good. And they go for taste, taste is part of their thing. Mm-hmm. And uh, I remember going to a feedlot with 100,000 cattle in it, Montforts of Colorado, the biggest cattle farmers in the world. Mm-hmm. The three feedlots were 100,000 cattle in each mm-hmm. lot and the feeding abattoirs. And the cattle's all, I got this Eurograd thing, you see, there's not, the Eurograd gives you a higher killing out percentage and you know, a more yield of meat, but it doesn't give you the flavor and the, and the, the taste that the, the, some of the traditional breeds have, you know. Mm-hmm. No, but, uh, but I bought limousine bulls from uh, Jeff Goldie. Can I started. He was one of the fast lads with black ones. And uh, 
I owe a new house. We had a bull called Newhouse Billy. I paid 18000 for him. And oh my God, it was easy so Those people got to try them out. But I've never come in much. But my attraction to them was they're pulled. Most of them were pulled. Yeah. And uh, well, people, we black cattle, like black cattle, are favoured by some people. Mm-hmm. And it's been a very good decision. We still have black. We still have black bulls here, and we we're still we're still a big demand for them. In fact, we sold a bull yesterday for a man, mm-hmm. a black bull. Some people prefer them. Uh-huh. Yeah. No, I, I know you were down in Carlisle. I think I saw you down there well back with a bull and made 12,000 of them and a damn good beast he was. And, and and you've had champion at Sterling a few times. Knock Nickel, I, I think in 2018, was 11,000 and with, champion again in Sterling. With a champion with a black bull at Wealth Show and Ezra Evans bought him, mm-hmm. we got 17 or 18,000 for a black bull. Uh-huh. And uh, as well as uh, he's been working at Black Bulls too. So uh, you see, some of the limousines maybe are going over the top a wee bit with with too too extreme, too big bombs and and uh, getting a bit Belgian blue looking, you know. And and they were maybe losing some of their carving ability. Their main criteria was easy, easy carving. They yeah. weren't going to be pulling calves in a bit like that. Uh, Clearly, you know, mm-hmm. and uh, and uh, we could learn a lot from America. With Cer- you know, they, certainly, we do, they, and we are, yeah. and and obviously, they yeah, they're they're big on their figures now, and the figures are starting to be more meaningful as well as as the time goes on. But uh, yes, easy carving is the is is the way. But as you said, you've still got the limousines there. How many limousines are you running there now, Albert? How many cows? Oh, sixty cows. Oh, yeah, okay. Increasing them gradually again. Yeah. We we the is one breed. It seems to be getting more. Getting more in demand than the, our local market in Aberdeen, Thainston, you know, it was mostly cattle where it used to be yeah. Charlie Crosses. But today there'll be 90% of them nearly limousine crosses yeah. now in the store lane. Yeah. Yeah. The limousine bulls are getting uh, t- taken over a bit for Charlie yeah. in this part of the world. Mm. And if you, yeah. as you said, if you can sell them at home, and it's an easy job as well, or an easier job anyway, if folks come and buy them, especially on the internet. We, 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 was at, we went to America last time, we went to Kansas. Mm. And round about Kansas in America, they never realized which farmers are all, they're all German origin. In fact, most of the migrants from Europe came from Germany, actually. We used to think it was Scotland and Ireland. Huh. It was German. But we had a wonderful night in Hall of Fame, and it went to Eddie Galanders, and of course, Eddie used to have a Dina, just the core. Yeah. And was invited to Hall of Fame mm-hmm. there, and there was barbecues, a bank of barbecues, of ranchers and cowboys all with us. And we had a wonderful night, one of the best nights I've ever had in my life. Uh, Tom Burke. So this guy, Tom Burke, he was an auctioneer. He was, he was about seven feet tall and five feet wide. <laughs> Huge man, giant. And... Uh, he, we had all the names on the hotels, and we'd just say a speech about what we did in Scotland. So I said, well, I grow molten barley to keep you, make decent whiskey for you guys to enjoy compared to your stuff. And, and we have uh, Texel sheep, and we have uh, limousine cattle, and uh, about 100 cows a day, and 100 limousine cattle. And after it all, I was the last to speak of the 30 people who came from a trip. And, the, and uh, there was a statue of Christ at a wall, a stone wall away in the back. And of course, this was Aberdeen Angus Hall of Fame, the biggest, biggest, biggest cattle society in the world. Aberdeen Angus, apparently. Yeah. And uh, Tom Burke says to me, now Albert, he said, you go over to that wall, there's a statue of Christ there, go down on your knees and ask forgiveness for breeding limousine cattle. <laughs> 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 he's some character, Tom. I've doing a bit of business with Tom myself, and he is some character, isn't he? Is uh, uh, uh. <laughs>
Let's move away from cattle a little bit, uh, Albert. One of your other jobs or hats that you've worn, you said, <laughs> is uh, you were a councillor on the Aberdeenshire Council um, for a while. And uh, didn't you have a little bit of a run-in with uh, Donald Trump? Tell us a bit more about Donald Trump. Well, I, I was in favour of Donald Trump coming to America. Alex Salmon, our local MP, he he went to America and try and to try and get Americans to invest in Scotland. Mm-hmm. And uh, so Donald Trump, I think, when he first got happy, and of course we didn't know much about Donald Trump at that time. But when a planning application comes up, you don't consider the person at his application. Mm-hmm. You put in the the application, what is going to affect the, the area and uh, if it's going to be good for business or bad for business. And uh, we, I didn't maybe realize that Donald is enough a guy, but, but uh, it was delighted to have him come. And I couldn't understand people that didn't want him to come to Aravincia. I thought it was a no-brainer because here we a guy that appeared to have plenty of money and he was going to be spending a fair bit in Scotland. So it was a no-brainer to me not to support him. Uh-huh. Sure enough, he did. A lot of people didn't, I don't think, but uh, eventually he was a but bit... He got, he got the support, you see, yeah. and, uh, and uh, the press was very tough, and the guys that didn't support him, they put him in his turnips or something like that, turnip heads. <laughs> <laughs> Certainly, yeah. Uh... I couldn't see, it was an opening up to me, because, uh, it, uh, well, Scotland's the home of golf, and, and uh, I thought if it brought in, it could get open, and there's some of the international things that are going in Aberdeen for all the good business. Do you, do you get, in, and, get invited uh, for a few few free rounds around this course, do you, Albert, or is that not a game you play? I don't play as much, no, but I haven't, no, I haven't done this course yet, but <laughs> even I'm not like this, Darren, but his sidekick was a, a, large, a large dark-skinned guy called George Soriel, and he stopped me the street one day. Albert, you've been so supportive. He said, well, you'll get free membership for life. Right. I said, for goodness sake, go away. <laughs> and that wouldn't, I'd lose my job. Wouldn't, wouldn't, look too, wouldn't look too good if you got that, maybe, or accepted that uh, accepted that one. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, well, if you do, if you do, you can invite me to play because it's one of the dearest courses, I think, in Scotland. But um, Absolutely. Yeah. And, and and the other thing is that you've, you've put, or you and George have put in, is renewable energy. You've put a few windmills and wind farms in about there as well. That's something, again, that's well, money spent on. That, that idea is quite important. You brought that up because that... It has changed our, our outlook about life, you know. That, uh, most multimillionaires are mega multimillionaires. They've never had their, dirty, their hands dirty. They've mostly made it with their head. Uh-huh. And to me, it was obvious if you could get wind turbines, it was a no-brainer not to get them because there something that seemed to be working in other parts of the country uh, and and there's no work. There were absolutely no work. Mm-hmm. They whirled away there and, and they were making money. And so that, that's the disaster about wind turbines. They're spoiling farming a bit in this area because once you get wind turbines, you don't need to do much else. You know, you don't need to do anything else, actually. <laughs> uh, you know, because they're very, very profitable. They say the smart money is the money you make before you get up in the morning, and that's probably very true when it comes to those things, that's for sure. There's a few of them in Aberdeenshire, mm-hmm. quite a lot in Aberdeenshire, yeah. actually. And uh, yeah, with quite a high wind resource here, being an island in the middle of the Atlantic, of course, and we're near the coast, near the sea here, and they do spoil farms in some respects because they make a fool of farming. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, uh, financially, you see, they they will go down. They'll have to be replaced one day. It won't likely be my problem, but mm-hmm. but they, 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 if you can get them, it's a no-brainer not to get them, yeah. even today without the subsidy. Yeah, and. Uh, uh, so they've been a great asset. Uh, it's a different company from the farm. It's, my fa- it's a family. It's uh, Stuartfield Wind Power, we call ourselves. Mm. 
but it's, it's, uh, they're doing very well. Good, good. Well, as I said, the smart money is the money you make before you get up out of bed in the morning, and that's, uh, that's exactly it. Well, it's, it's well farming in some cases because people, people have them. We've have three neighbours with them, to, uh, and they've all gone out of livestock completely because they didn't need to get up in the middle of the night doing anything. The, the things turning up the money without them, they're just arable farmers now. Yeah. And there's another attraction, of course, with arable farming because if this a million pounds you can spend tax get tax advantage written off against your tax for buying new machinery. Mm-hmm. So as a lot of farms out here equip themselves with all their new stuff and mm-hmm. coming hamsters and bigger tractors and fewer men and so on and uh, uh, it, it's like an arable thing, potatoes uh, not peas but potatoes and uh-huh. and fruit farms and all that stuff and uh, there's a there's a big increase in arable farming in Aberdeenshire. Put, putting money in HRN tractors' pocket, yes, you're right. And uh, well, sure. the, the wind turbines has led to it in many cases. Uh, sure, sure, of course. Of course. An easier life, of course. Well, easier life it is. Um, um, Albert, can I ask how old you are now? I know it was that a rude question. <laughs> my date of birth, my problem, Andy. I'm 85. You're 85, are you? Well, you still keep you certainly still keep still busy on the farm and doing well. And 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 you'll be down to the Highland Show in a few weeks' time, coming down there on I'll a skate. Well, I, I I maybe have to pick up a new car actually, but <laughs> about the same time. But <laughs> I like to I like uh, uh, a new Range Rover, which is quite expensive. But there you are. Yeah. Well, there we go, Albert. You got to you got to be able to spend it, got to be able to enjoy it, and that's it. Your age, well, you, I'm you lo- put the effort I'm, in. I'm lucky, Andy. And also, we, I'll give you a wee word of advice. You see, take a drum a good Scotch whiskey every night, and you'll live for a long time. <laughs> Well, I'll take you. I'll take that word of advice and tell you what, uh, Albert. If I bump into you, I'll buy you a drama whiskey as well. And it's been a. <laughs> but uh, okay, Andy. But we'll love to speak to you, and we'll meet meet up in the from the Helen Show. Albert, we can meet up. Excellent, Albert. That'll be superb. Thanks very much for your time. Well, thank you. The pleasure's been mine. I can assure you, I've been delighted to speak to you. Thank you. Cheers. Bye. 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 Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Top Lines and Tales, your weekly livestock podcast. And as always, we'd like to thank our sponsors. Harbro and the Harbro team are also proud to be sponsoring their customers Dal Swinton Estate who are hosting Scotland's beef event uh, this coming Tuesday and uh, they'd love you to visit their stand there and say hello and don't be shy to ask them what the Harbro team and the Harbro uh, excellent range of feeds can do for you if you can't make the beef event then look them up on the internet or on social media and while you're on social media don't forget to look out the Top Lines and Tales Facebook page where you'll find uh, more information to back up this and other episodes.